and welcome to We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening, the afternoon, the morning, depending on whenever you're deciding to tune in today's episode. Today is going to be a quick start on the kickstart. Now, a quick start on the kickstart is when we speak to somebody who is in the middle of their kickstarter campaign to find out a little bit about the, how the progress is going on the campaign and have a little chat about whatever they would like to chat about. So today we have decided to kind of grab, with only about a week to go on his campaign, uh, Mr. Sean Epperson from Thing 12 Games, and he's got a game at the moment called Dice of Pirates. So hello, Sean. Hello, sir. How are you? I am I'm a 9.8 today. I am rocking and rolling in a good wow. place. Wow. I know. I know. It's very, you know, it's... um. Yeah, what about yourself? Uh, I'm actually having a really good day. Uh, I'm pretty stoked with uh, a lot of extra like side stuff that we're working on uh, for Thing Twelve, and and uh, you know the the Kickstarter itself has been going great. So there's there's lots of stuff we have going on, and things have been like kind of falling into place. So I'm really excited about how today's been so far. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, this isn't your first Kickstarter. Uh, in fact, oh, I the last Kickstarter that you did was also of a dice-related nature. Um, well, you had Dice of Crowns. Um, you've done another one as well, haven't you? In the middle of that, there was a... Yeah, there was a, a card game called Click, Click, Boom uh, that we did right after Dice of Crowns, uh-huh. which is a bluffing game of Russian roulette that's played uh, kind of like Indian poker style or played like Hanabi. Mm-hmm. So everybody else gets to see your cards, but you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So you're quite, um, I mean, you're, you're quite well seasoned being on the kind of the Kickstarter, Kickstarter scene. How's the campaign been going so far? It looks like you are 300% and cruising at a steady altitude, Captain, it seems like. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's been going really well. Uh, we've been out there... At different conventions and board game shops, and uh, you know, talking to people on different podcasts, and you know, just generating more information about about the game. But we we know the game is fun. Uh, we know it's really solid just from all the plays that we've done with people, mm-hmm. and uh, it's. I'm really happy with uh, how things have kind of turned out and, and the way the game looks, and uh, the stretch goals that we've unlocked so far are, are going to be awesome to really make the game uh, just have that really top shelf quality. So there's a couple more that we're still uh, wanting to unlock. So uh, the more people that pile on, you know, the the more we can do. So. That's good. What's your um, very quickly? I mean, what's your kind of your background with regards to the hobby? I mean, how did you how did you get into the hobby in the first place? The kind of the whole world of pressed and printed trees, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, well, I've been in the in the game world uh, just at the very highest level uh, since oof, gosh, ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. Uh, mostly in the video game side of things, and I kind of rose the ranks to become a producer in video games, uh, handheld games, iPhone, iPad, PC games, Xbox, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And while I, I do that as my day job, I had this strong desire to get back into the the tabletop space. I was a Magic the Gathering player for a good 15 years, wow. just, you know, hugely into that game and uh i i took a break for a little bit and i went on holiday and uh you know work was really crazy like okay i need a break and then we went to holiday and my holiday was super crazy and insane and i came back to work like i haven't had a holiday 
it's just been nonstop craziness since I talked to my boss. I'm like, look, man, I need an extra week off, a week from my week because it's just nuts. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure, take, take the time off. So I did that, and my brain went into, like, hyper-creative mode and was like, oh, hey, we don't have to think about work. We don't have to worry about this nonsense or mm. this thing. And I, I dreamed uh, this game, uh, this game called uh, Dirty Tops. And right. I just started working on it, and, and uh, I just like threw it together real quick with blank cards and, and started working out with some friends and like, hey, there's something here. It's, it's fine. And so I, I started taking a look at you know things that were on Kickstarter um, in, the, in the tabletop space, taking a look at more games that were out there. And it was my, my first time kind of like, oh, wait, there, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I just rapidly consumed as much of the content that was out there as possible and just dove headlong into the world of Kickstarter and was backing things left and right and watching what things worked, what things didn't, um, seeing how people uh, you know, manage their Kickstarters, how they mismanage their Kickstarters, you know, all, all those kind of things. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, a buddy of mine, another producer, he was looking at Kickstarter, but from the financial standpoint, you know, yeah. like how you would run a Kickstarter um, and be able to produce a game and, you know, do all the, all the nuts and bolts behind the scenes kind of stuff to make that happen. And I was looking at it from the creative side, like, you know, how are you engaging audiences? Uh, you know, what does your page need to look like to be successful? How are you doing stretch goals? All that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking, like, you know, we're looking at the same thing, but we're looking at it from different angles. Why don't we work together and create this this company, and then we can start doing the games that we really want to do? Because when you're when you're working in a you know in a video game company, there's a lot more overhead for that. You don't have a whole lot of room to just do whatever you want to do. No, right? no. You have shareholders you got to account for, and like all this other stuff. Like we were just really like in a space where we wanted the opportunity to really be creative and take the ideas that we've had for a long time and do something with them. And I think that that's one of the things that's really cool about the tabletop space is that you can rapidly prototype something and put it together and just find out, is this fun or is this garbage? And uh, so we joined forces together and created Thing 12 Games. And mm. uh, we put Dirty Cops up on uh, Kickstarter and it did pretty well. Um, one of the missteps that we had was that we just, we overproduced the game. Right, we yeah. we set the the goal to be a lot higher than really we probably should have for a first time game. And we talked to a lot of the backers and found out, you know, well, what were your concerns? What were any reasons that you may not have wanted to back? And the biggest one was you haven't proved yourselves. Now, granted, we've been in the video game space forever, yeah. but they don't know that, right? And and even still, it doesn't say anything to them. So, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let's let's take a step back. Let's do a smaller game. And just knock it out of the park, you know, make it as awesome as we can, you know, yeah. make it affordable, all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, uh, serendipitously, uh, one of my one of my uh, friends at, at work, he came to me and was like, "Hey, you know, check it out. I I made this game. He's got a 3D printer. Uh, he came up with a concept for this game. He printed up these dice, and uh, we sat down, we played it, and it was the the prototype for what Dice of Crowns would eventually become." Mm. And while there was, you know, inherently the usual kind of problems and stuff you have with the first, you know, first version 0.1 of a game, there was a spark there, right? There was something really interesting to this game that I hadn't seen before. And, I, and by this time, I've, you know, gone through tons and tons of different games. And I talked to him, I go, there's something really cool here. This is a really unique game. 
and I'd love to be able to publish this with you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know lots of artists. I know lots of te- uh, illustrators. We can really make this game look really awesome. And he was on board with that. So we did a whole lot of playtesting. Um, I'm part of a group called Playtest Northwest. Yeah. up here in Seattle, okay. and that gets us into tons of different conventions. We go to board game shops and play test our games. So we, I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of people that got to chance to play test the game and work through all the kinks, work through all the problems, and we put it up at a place called uh, Evergreen Tabletop Expo, it was a convention here in Seattle. Yeah, and it was a basically a designer, you know, challenge. Uh, there was. I want to say it was like 16, maybe 32 different designers that submitted games, and they narrowed it down to the top eight. Dice of Crowns was selected for the top eight, so we got to come to Evergreen Tabletop Expo and show the game up to people, and then everybody voted on, everybody had a chance to play while they were at the con, they voted on which games they liked the most, uh, which one they wanted to see win, that sort of thing. Well, we got narrowed down to the top four. And there were judges there that were actually in the industry, like uh, Paul Peterson uh-huh. um, and, uh, gosh, who else was there? Uh, James Ernst from uh, Cheap Ass Games. He was one of the judges. Uh, one of the guys from Daily Magic Games, people that have you know, done several games before, some in cases a lot of games before. Yeah. And they grilled the top four, and Badger, uh, who was the designer of Dice of Grounds, uh, he was in the top four. And so he, you know, he got to be a part of that group and they they did the announcements and we ended up winning player's choice which was awesome like so we didn't get the grand prize you know that the judges award no but i was happier to win player's choice because we were getting ready to go to kickstarter and like that told me <laughs> people like the people that are going to be buying this game i like this game i'm on board for that because i've known a lot of games that have been uh, critical darlings that have failed commercially Oh, that's the video game right. space, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. No, if you're talking about that, but yeah, no, I've seen the same thing. There's been a lot of games that um, I've seen a lot of really, really positive reviews on Kickstarter, and then the game kind of either it kind of funds, or it's very, very close when it kind of funds, and you're kind of wondering, am I looking at a kind of a different game? But it's maybe because the players haven't seen that kind of little bit of special. So I even notice. Then I was looking at the Dice of Crowns Kickstarter campaign that you even put a little badge on the corner of the graphic yeah. to say that you won the contest. You were like, I won this contest. <laughs> I'm putting this on this. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting well, this it, on here. it was also something that we wanted to use to, to show backers, like, hey, you know, there's there's something to this. It's not just us saying the game is good. Like, lots of people voted for this game that are just, you know, regular people that are buying games mm-hmm. that said this game is really good. So it's kind of a, a a way to let people know you're not the risk that you're taking isn't as big of a risk. No, exactly. I mean it's not a case that you haven't had. I guess that's the thing with Kickstarter, because you can have all the review preview videos in the world kind of saying this game is really, really good. Um, but it's unless you kind of get, I guess, like a third party saying, well, here's a group of players that actually think it's really, really good as well. You're kind of always relying on, I guess, the good nature of the guys that are providing the preview videos, the review videos. I mean, you can print out the rule books, you can, approv- you can provide the rule books in the comments, you know, and have people downloading that and commenting in the comment section of Kickstarter. But I mean, having so, I can see why you were wanting to put this kind of out there and say, look, these guys, everybody kind of who's played it 
just kind of really, really liked it. And that, um, I mean, that went on to be demonstrated in the in the actual campaign itself because you set a goal of was it seven thousand dollars at the time, and you ended up nearly forty thousand. So it was a well, it was thirty eight, thirty eight and a half. So it was a good seven times the original kind of target. Um, no, sorry, five times the original kind of target, which was a real success, you know? Yeah, yeah, we were super excited to see that. And I, I, there were a couple of things that really helped, right? So from my my standpoint, um, as the publisher, I tirelessly got this game out in front of everybody that I could at any possible chance. You know, I, I reached out to different people in the community to, yeah. you know, try and, you know, beat the, uh, the reads as it will uh, for doing interviews, like, you know, just... Work, 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 work. Standing in the queue good. in Walmart. Standing in the queue in Walmart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, hey, I'm starting to play game. Like, hey, let me show you a game. <laughs> I literally carry the game with me everywhere I go. So any chance I had, I always put it in front of someone's face. And, and uh, it's one of those games where I can I can teach, teach it to a non-gamer. You know, mm. like I've, I've talked to my daughter's uh, soccer parents that they know Yahtzee, they know Monopoly, and that's about it. Mm. And I have them play the game, and they're like, oh, this is so much fun, this is so cool. It, <laughs> you know, because it, it gets everybody in, engaged at the same time, and that's that's a really appealing thing, right? I get to set it out, and there's dice there, and people pick up the dice, and they roll. I'm like, oh, now that you've rolled that, let me explain what happened. <laughs> and they're already in. They're like, oh, that's cool. So. Well, everybody, really knows barrier everybody knows how to roll <laughs> dice. Exactly. Um, why didn't you, I mean, Dice of Pirates, so you went on, Did was that a natural progression to move into kind of what's the next kind of dice game that we can do? Or had you planned out to maybe have four or five different iterations of the Dice of kind of game? You know, is there going to be kind of like Dice of Spacemen? You know, is there going to be Dice of Dinosaurs? I mean, am I trying to hit you to give me an exclusive here, Sean? <laughs> uh, well, you're you're not far off. So... When we when we worked on Dice of Crowns, one of the things that we my my finance partner and I agreed on is that we didn't want to do just a one off title. We wanted something that we could do several different versions of. And if it's a successful franchise, then we'll mm. keep doing some more games on it, right? As, as long as we're interesting and doing something new each time. Um, one of the things we didn't want to do was just uh, do the same game and put a different wrapper on it. You know, that's that's so lame. I hate it when, when companies do that. It's just creatively bankrupt. Yeah. Um, so we talked earlier on while we were developing Dice of Crowns, like what would what would we want to do next? And we knew that we wanted to do Dice of Pirates. That seems thematically appropriate to this world that we were creating. And so uh, when Badger when we finally you know got done with Dice of Crowns and Badger had a good break, uh, he started working on pirates and we talked about the core pillars of what makes Dice of Crowns, Dice of Crowns, right? The Dice of System. And there's two things that are very critical to that. One is that there's a rule of three. So in Dice of Crowns, if you get three crowns, you get a claim token. Yeah. If you get three daggers, that ends your turn. And if you get uh, three skulls, then you get a, a fate token. So mm-hmm. three, is, three of something gets you something. Um, in Dice of Pirates, uh, three Krakens ends your turn, three gold coins will let you take one from the sea, and three of the Jolly Rogers will let you attack another player. 
So we knew that we had to keep that rule of three alive. Uh, the other part that we knew we had to have was uh, the element that you hand dice to other players. So in Dice of Crowns, when you roll a scroll, yeah. you have to hand it out to someone else at the table, and then they roll and different things happen. So in Dice of Pirates, we have pirate ships. And when you roll a pirate ship, your pirate ship sails to another player, you decide who gets it, and then they get to roll, and some craziness can ensue from that point on. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that really sets it apart from different dice games because you are handing those dice out. Uh, it's it's causing the die pool to be manipulated in certain ways. Uh, it's letting you like stab people in the back and set people up for failure or set people up for success or help yourself out uh, in ways that you, you don't typically see. So in tech, you get the you get your when you getting your package and you're opening it you're going to get you're going to get a whole pile of dice um you get your gold tokens you get your plunder tokens you're giving them a 3d plastic ship yeah yeah uh for dice of crowns uh they got a crown uh the the 3d molded or not printed but uh, the molded crown mm-hmm. for dice of pirates we we knew it had to have a three-dimensional uh, aspect as well and of course you're thinking pirates, well, you need a pirate ship, right? And that's not just the thing that you win. In Dice of Crowns, you win the crown. A lot of everybody puts it on their head because I'm the ruler now. But uh, it's, 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 it's a simple do. How big is this crown? <laughs> it's, it's small because it fits in the tin, right? But everybody puts yeah. it on because you got a crown. I get to wear it now. Um, do you have, do you have pictures? Like a ring. Have you got pictures oh, yeah. of people wearing them then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you look, uh, and if you go back through uh, any of our, like, Twitter history or, or Kickstarter or Facebook, uh, you can see pictures of people wearing their crowns. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, um, but for, for Dice of Pirates, we knew we wanted a pirate ship. Well, you're not going to put a pirate ship in your head. That's kind of goofy. So <laughs> we wanted <laughs> the pirate ship. Or maybe you will. Uh-huh. Um, we wanted the pirate ship to be a functional piece in the game. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, an aspect in the game, it's part of the advanced rules, that you can spend your plunder tokens to take control of the pirate ship, and the pirate ship makes you stronger whenever you fight. So I've seen games where, where people, you know, someone goes for it, and they're like, oh, I've got a pirate ship now, I'm stronger than everybody else. But the danger is that if you lose it in combat, it sails to another player. Yeah. And I've watched people go attack another player to try and get the ship back because it had they had it stolen from them. Like, well, don't, don't you want to go over to this person? He's got more gold. He's like, no, he stole my ship. Screw that guy. I want, I want my ship back. <laughs> Do you have additional rules regarding people doing pirate voices? <laughs> uh, sort of. And there's actually a, uh, if you roll seven of something uh, in the game, uh, it's uh, six of something in a Kraken then, or is it seven Kraken or six Krakens, and one of the other die faces, different things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to say, let's loose the Kraken, and then this thing happens. <laughs> I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with your commitment to actually do the pirate <laughs> voice. <laughs> I've, I've spoken to so many people that would have skirted around that, and it would have been, I would have spent three minutes going, do your pirate voice, Sean. You wouldn't know. Do your pirate, do your pirate voice, Sean. You went. You just went right in there. Oh, of course, man. <laughs> RPG. I am in on this game. <laughs> is that what the Kickstarter videos got? Is it just like three and a half minutes of you, <laughs> of you going, "Buy my, go and pitch now." <laughs> 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 
or buy my game, my game be fun, says I. Of course, the irony would be is if you, once the game funded, you disappeared with the money. That would be... The ultimate irony. I know. We buried it somewhere. We're going to Wisconsin. See you later. <laughs> I don't know why you want to go to Wisconsin with stolen money. I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing. Um, well, there's cheese. So there's, I suppose there's that. <laughs> if just people would track you down and like burst into a hotel room and they would just be you surrounded by various kind of gouders and edams and stuff like that and say, what do you do with the money, Sean? And you're just sitting there looking like some kind of jab of the hut thing going, I'm running on cheese. <laughs> it's just like a whole pile of crackers around you. Exactly. <laughs> and some kind of cloth that you've been using to wipe your face. And the room will just be... <laughs> you just reach over and you go, Stilton? <laughs> Put your hands up. <laughs> Put that cheddar down. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Yeah, welcome to We're Not Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, with things like um, stretch goals, with the kind of, I guess, with Dice of Crowns being kind of like a template for how the campaign was run, and with this being, you know, quite close in terms of the type of game that people are getting, has it been easier to kind of plan out kind of stretch goals? Going, for, you know, for this campaign, or have have you been? I guess on their side of had you been more conscious to say, well, we just don't want this to be like a control C, control V <laughs> kind of job. Yeah. Change the icons kind of around. Have you been more conscious of that when you've been creating the stretch goals? Uh, we certainly were. Uh, we had our stretch goals planned out well before the uh, we did the the Kickstarter uh, mm-hmm. and put it up there. But we also we we watch the um, the comments section, and sometimes people will bring things up like, "Oh, we'd love to see something," you know, like X. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, hmm, that's a good, it's a good idea. Let's uh, let's look into that and see if that's something that we can pull into you know, the future future uh, schedule. Um, what we we knew we were going to want to have certain things, like certain things had to be unlocked, uh, but we we didn't want to just do a control C, control V, like you were saying. So we I'm just getting technical there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, is that? I mean, is that kind of led you? You said you just kind of led you down a, a kind of a slightly, a slightly different path. Have you got kind of? Have you got stretch goals planned out up to like forty-five, fifty k, or are you just kind of hedging your bets and seeing what's going to kind of happen with the with the campaign? Because the campaign seems to have been just. You know, it's been very kind of steady as she goes. It's just you know, you, there's extra backers coming on kind of every day. Um, so you're still kind of planning, planning things around. Or are you at the committed stage with that? Uh, no, we actually have stretch goals up to uh, I think around the 50k range. Uh-huh. Um, we were always like thinking ahead, like where would we want things to go. One of the things that early on I noticed people making a mistake on Kickstarter is to when, uh, when you launch your, your project, is to go, here's all of our stretch goals and the exact you know funding amounts for every single one of them. Yeah. The problem with that is that it doesn't allow you to to pivot and adjust based on if you're being super successful or if you're maybe not being successful and you need to maybe move things around to try and you know, encourage people to, to you know, 
know, bad burn or to you know, add extra things on to unlock new things um, because you, you've locked yourself into that. So we knew that when we started off, we're only going to show the, the next stretch goal that's coming up and you know, we can maybe tease the one after that. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, that's behind the scenes stuff where we're always kind of like, well, let's tweak this number a little bit. Maybe you should you know, bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Oh no, it's, this is this one's really accelerating. We're going to clear that one, so let's push this one a little farther out. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of balance you have to do. Yeah, and there's also the danger that if you print all your stretch goals, and I've seen this before, is that people go, "Hmm, that's actually a bit rubbish." I kind of expected that to be kind of standard because I think you get into a danger with stretch goals where people kind of expect lots of extra stuff. And if mm-hmm. you just say, "Hey guys, we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to be putting a kind of a UV finish on the box," and it's like, "What are you joking me?" <laughs> it's like, "All right, okay, <laughs> kind of calm down." Yeah, uh, no, I think you're right. Kind of, kind of like, um, kind of holding back. I mean, I mean, we obviously well, there's I'm, also the guys, the guys yeah. that like they 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 fund you know on day one and they mm-hmm. blow through all their all their stretch goals and then they're like, "Crap, what do we do?" <laughs> We have nothing planned, and so they start like this. Uh, well, we'll put this in, and they ended up, you know, at the end of the day, sure they were super successful, but yeah. because of all these extra schedules that they really didn't think through or didn't plan, they're going to actually be negative. Yeah. So you got to be thinking clearly about stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that's the worst case scenario is that when, um, and you know, I think. You know, Jamie Stegmaier said that himself. He says, you reach a point in a campaign where it doesn't matter how much more money you've got in the campaign, you can't do anything any cheaper. So the danger Mm -hmm. you get is if you start to include all these wonderful, fantastic stretch goals, then you can end up kind of getting dangerously close to kind of like losing money on it. You know, (laughs) you can get to that point where you're like going, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to give you everything was going to get like a a gold leaf pirate ship. Um, We're going to have to... (laughs) Kind of re, kind of rethink that one, <laughs> you know. Or the the people that do something like, oh, we're going to give you a T-shirt, or you know, things that are like that yeah. don't really matter or don't really like pivot back to the game, and then suddenly you're having to deal with something that, you know, if you have never manufactured a shirt before, like there's a whole lot of craziness and nonsense you got to deal with that, like mm. sizes and materials and blah blah blah. Mm. You're like, oh my god, now I've got this huge headache of all these stretch goals that aren't part of my game. That have nothing to do with playing a game that I've yeah. got to worry about. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, I've seen, I think the worst one I've seen was the guy that says, okay, you can pledge this for the base game, but if you pledge an extra, I think it was like 5 or $10, then you your face will appear as art in one of the cards. And his his actual pledge amount wasn't that high. So I think it's ended, it ended up putting the campaign back by years. <laughs> Because oh, it's just like, going, yeah, we've got like this is brilliant. We've got like three hundred backers, but now I've got to put like a hundred and seventy-five of them <laughs> into all these cards and fit them somewhere, and it's just like been an absolute, you know, an absolute kind of nightmare. I mean, yeah. going forward for yourself, you obviously the are are you staying within the kind of the smaller. The, the kind of the, the smaller, easy access, quick play type space, or is there the huge behemoth kingdom death monster game fighting to get out from yourself, Mr. Epperson? <laughs> it's like you're reading my mind, it's so funny. Um, so <laughs> there is there are some bigger games 
yeah. that I have much farther out. Uh, there's one specifically that I'm thinking of <laughs> that I actually put down some more design notes uh, this morning okay. after listening to a podcast. I'm like, oh, I've got some really great ideas. <laughs> I need to like, you know, in that. Like, put that in the document. I'm not going to worry about it now. Yeah. Um, but for the first start, really it was about uh, putting out some games that people could, you know, wouldn't have to spend a whole lot on, um, that they could back us and go, oh yeah, these guys can follow through on what they do or what yeah. they say that we're going yeah. to do and put out a quality game. We trust them, you know, for, for future games. We do have some games coming up next year that are a little bit bigger. Um, you know, like uh, uh, Click Click Boom is a program that comes in a box, and so the box is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, we've got another game called Smash Heroes uh, where you're playing as a bunch of orcs beating up uh, the heroes of the, of the adventure uh, in order to get money and buy goblins. So you're the bad guys beating up the good guys. That sounds really uh, nice. A, <laughs> right. <laughs> really, for us, it was more about uh, finding games or creating games that allow a lot of player in- interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not as much of a fan of games that are just sort of solo thing, right? It's like I do my thing, yeah. and then hand it off, and now you do your thing, and we never really interact. It's all about, like, can I be better at doing my thing than you are? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like games where you and I get to interact on, on some level, and I think that's really kind of the magic of what tabletop games have, you know, over, over other games. You and I get to share this bond, and we get to mess with each other in some way, or maybe we, we join forces against someone else and screw them over because that guy's being a jerk, or, you know, ways that we, we can have fun together and create these memories rather yeah. than just me, me kind of centered in on myself. No, well, I mean, you'll be aware of that more than most probably being involved in the video game space that, you know, when did we stop allowing people to be able to sit next to each other and play a game? Uh, yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I can, I can say, I could, I could, my, I mean, my son, he loves Overwatch. Um, I can't sit next to him and play Really, he wants to play Overwatch by himself, but I can roll out, say, you know, we can, I don't know, we can bring out like say catacombs, or we can, um, we can bring out mice, mice and mystics. We can bring out pandemic. We can bring out all these games, and everybody kind of sits around the table, and we all play together, and like mechs versus minions, which we've been playing, and it's That's so good. I am, you know, I've, you know, I'm still, I'm, one day Riot Games will contact me and say, go and stop mentioning that game. We're not going to give you any money. <laughs> We're not sponsoring you. You know, we've got a bigger reach. We can go outside and we can cough loudly and we've got a bigger reach than you have. So <laughs> just, leave, just leave us alone or we're going to send you a nasty letter. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, in terms of, I guess, I mean, is there, have you had time to get anything to the table? I mean, with you being involved in, you know, in kind of what general people would say, well, this is what I do to relax. Do you go and maybe, you know, when you go home, do you go and work and, you know, do some gardening or something? <laughs> do you like a go and do some <laughs> physical job or something and say, I'm going to relax <laughs> this way instead, you know, because it's kind of like opposite world. <laughs> Right. You know. um, I still play a lot of games, right. and I think if you are a designer or a publisher, you sort of have to be doing that because you need to stay aware of where the hobby is going. You okay. know, what kind of mechanics are coming up? You know, what are what are what are people doing that are kind of on the new games coming out? You know, what, what are people bringing 
bringing to the table? And where can you kind of spin off of that and do something interesting as well? Does, does that fuel some different ideas for you? So I play lots of games. Uh, we're, we're in a group that usually meet um, yeah, about once a week, uh, at least. Sometimes we try and meet twice. Okay. But, you know, we're also on a podcast, so we have to be able to talk about, you know, the new games that are coming <laughs> exactly. out as well. Um, I back an insane number of Kickstarter games, uh, so I try and get those played as well. So really for relaxation for me is just getting together and playing games with people. Okay. Okay. It's weird as it no. Maybe, no, I'm, I mean, maybe got, I've got an issue. <laughs> this, there's you can. There's a support group if you go to we're not <laughs> You know, forward slash round the table. Then you can see. You can. You know, we'll meet like every third Thursday, and there's custard creams and coffee, and uh, <laughs> we can sit and discuss. You know what we've managed to not play, and certainly do play. I do have a question for you though on a pirate related theme. Just to oh, kill two birds with one stone. Okay. <laughs> You are on you are on the floating cardboard extravaganza, the SS tabletop, and you're surrounded by every conceivable every conceivable board game that's ever been in existence, including expansions, including main games, including games that have even been out of print. It is a flotilla of press trees joy. Unfortunately, you are attacked by Long John Meatpole and his horrible band of pirates who decide to put a couple of holes in the old hull of the good old ship. You have about four minutes to get off the ship and get to the lifeboat, and you hear the screams in the background, and get ye ye lubbers and sink them, cut their throats where they stand, sir! And you have got approximately four minutes to grab three games. What three games do you take with you, Sean? to the lifeboat. You can have any games you want, any expansions you want, but what games do you take with you to the lifeboat so you can sail away? Wow. Uh, I would take the others. Alright, okay. Uh, Eric Lang and, and Commander Knopf. Uh-huh. Uh, I would probably take Star Wars. Wow. Just that like Yep. I oh. played the hell out of Star Realms, uh, both digitally and uh, the physical copy. There's something about it that I just, I, I love deck builders, as it were, and yeah. that one's just, it's so fast. Um, I shall have to challenge you, sir. Damn oh, you. yes. <laughs> Damn your eyes, man. Damn your eyes. <laughs> uh, what else would I bring? Could I watch out? The water's lapping around your legs now. You're having to startly tread water. I would probably bring, uh, well, I would bring Dice of Crowns. I know it sounds crass to, yeah. to say my own, but I, you know, it's really weird because in in the video game space, when you work on a game for a long time, by the time you get done and it's out, you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad to be done with that game. <laughs> it could be like a AAA title and everybody loves it. And you're like, I never want to play that game again in my life. Right? If, I, if I have to scale one more <laughs> wall. <laughs> But I'm, and I'm being dead honest here, I've played thousands of games of Dice of Crowns, and I still enjoy it. I still love bringing it out to people and, and playing with it because it's, it's so fast and quick. Like, it's, you know, over 10, 15, 20 minutes. But it engages everyone, so we can, and we can play it anywhere. So I still play it all the time, which it fascinates me. I'm like, 
I guess that, that's good, right? That, that I like playing the game that I played a thousand times and I'll still keep playing it. And no one's like forcing me to, to do it. You know, I'll just I'll, my buddies and I that, uh, that do gaming, you know, we'll go to a, a restaurant or something and you know, get some meat. Like, hey, we're waiting for the uh, the food to get here. Want to play Dice of Crowns? And bring it out and play. <laughs> Have you got like an emergency Dice of Crowns in the car? Have you got one? <laughs> One in this, one in the office bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I carry a copy in my in my pockets uh, all the time. <laughs> it's like a a power cut, honey, honey. Where are the candles and the matches? They're right right next to the emergency dice of crowns. Exactly, uh, because we're we're doing uh, dice of pirates, and I'm having to like you know often play test that. Uh, I carry dice of pirates and dice of crowns with me, so whenever I'm walking around, you hear me like. Chattering and, and <laughs> like you can hear me walking, right? Shake, 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 shake. <laughs> it's rule number thirteen: the double tap. <laughs> you can't get them with crowns, and you'll get them with pirates. Exactly. Um, people can step in. It's ten dollars to step in, isn't it? Um, yeah. And basically, to ship, it's five bucks. You hear that? I'm using the American language and everything. It's five, <laughs> it's five US dollars if you're going to be shipping to the US. It's eight dollars if you're going to be shipping to the rest of the world. And uh, so there you go. So basically, eighteen eighteen dollars is going to get you if you're across this side of the pond, and fifteen bucks if you're going to get across the other side of the pond. If you want to get involved in the the dice of crowns because it sounds like Sean Sean likes it, so you'd make him very happy. But you, if you get twenty five dollars, you'll get that. You get dice of crowns and you get dice of pirates. So there you go. Sounds very very. Yeah, we handy. were getting we were getting really low on our stock because uh, dice of crowns was successful enough that we printed a lot of extra copies, right? So they we they, we sent them to local game stores and mm-hmm. got them into distribution. Um, but it's on back order at a lot of places, and we're down to like. Oh my gosh, I think we've got like five retail kits left. Like, not a whole lot. <laughs> so, uh, if you're wanting Dice of Crowns, this, this is the this time is, to this jump is in again. <laughs> I don't think you could get a better, um, a better advert than that. Um, we will, of course, um, we'll put this out as quickly as we can. So, if you're listening to it now, there's going to be a couple of days left. Um, are you going to be doing late pledges for the game once the campaign's finished as well, Sean? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever our any of our play, our Kickstarters end, mm. there's always a chance to be able to get in, and it'll stay up for. Um, I, I'm not sure how long it's going to stay up, but yeah. it'll stay up for a while until we're ready to basically you know, hit the button for manufacturing. So. Okay, so you'll just be basically um, helping me to justify any laziness on me getting this edited and out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to say it's all right. You'll be able to back it. For, be able to jump in for months. Sean said. <laughs> <laughs> um what we'll do is obviously we we will put um we'll put any kind of links for we'll put links for the campaign um in the show notes so we have notes to show if people want to find you on the interweb nets where can they find you where do they exist where, do, where can they um, uh, we're on most of the big ones so we're on instagram at mm-hmm. thing 12 games mm-hmm. we're on uh twitter at Thing 12 Games, mm-hmm. and we're on Facebook uh, with Thing 12 Games. <laughs> so it's not... Pretty consistent. That's, yeah, that's... There's no no trickery there. 
Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, again, if you go to the thing that is Google and search for We're Not Wizards, you will find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and we're on YouTube as We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast, and apparently we're also on Amazon Alexa, which means I've potentially set off some of these Amazon things, because I was told, <laughs> I was told, Alexa, switch the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine somebody's going to be sitting there cursing my name. Um, <laughs> but as we always say, if you've liked what you listened to tonight, uh, please tell other people. Um, we are getting the word out there, and we're very grateful for every single person that listens. Um, if you like us very much, you can go into Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription. If you like... Um, if you like us even a little bit more, you can always drop us a review. And as we say, don't give us ten stars, because that makes us big-headed. But don't give us one, because that makes us cry. <laughs> give us a five, because that's in the middle, and it's average. And we're decidedly average. We're proud <laughs> of it. <laughs> but the person that's, <laughs> person that's not <laughs> been average tonight... <laughs> is the wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Sean Epperson. Thank you very oh, much for coming. Thank you very, very much for coming on. I wish you the best of luck with the campaign. It looks fun. It looks simple. It's not a hundred dollar break the bank job as well. Wondering if I'm going to get this or get my kids Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it does look an awful lot of fun. Um, there are only two more things to do, and the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards Sean? Uh, I am led to believe that we are not wizards there you go um, again thank you very very much for coming on um, I appreciate you're a very very busy man this is the tail end of the campaign so it's all hands on deck excuse the pun <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you very, very much for coming on and, and, and giving us the rundown on um, on Dice of Pirates. Um, and the last thing to do is to say goodbye. So it is um, it's a goodbye from the man who's got a sea shanty in his heart and some sea legs on the deck. It is the run- wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Sean Epperson. Say goodbye, Sean. Your thanks for having me on, matey. And I'll be sure not to kill haul ya. <laughs> That'd be good. I'd be going downstairs and get myself some weevil-filled biscuits because I like something to chew on. Chew on. <laughs> <laughs> weevil-filled biscuits. <laughs> you could keep on going, but we might have to edit this whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go off and bury myself some treasure, Captain. I'll see you next time. But until the next time... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Sean.